Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Um, we are also, I just want to take opportunity to thank everyone, thank C3 Church for supporting the David Center. David Center's population is almost one, like sometimes we, we make a joke to among ourselves, we say we need to select the mayor of the David Center. There's a population, a little over 90 people, that's including not just the orphan, but the, the nanny, the daddy, those who work to support and to love and to feed, to take care of the David Center kid. They are very dedicated staff. And we thank God for Laura Allen, who's been there for almost over a month, right? You've been there over a month this year. And she's become their grandmother. So they call Laura grandma. So Laura become grandma to about 70 kids almost. And right now we have 73 kids as today. And it's a lot of kids and a lot of mouths to feed. Each month we feed, uh, uh, there's a lot of food to feed them. But just for the rice supply alone, they're one, uh, let's see, 1.3 tons a month. That would be, be 1,300 kilograms of rice a month. That's not a year. <laughs> That's much rice we eat at the David Center. There's a lot of rice. So, and then we buy grocery on top of that. But rice alone, it's a lot of rice. So I just want to give you that so in case when I get into the message then I forgot to tell you about what happening at the David Center. And it's just enjoyable just to be around the kid. And kid is my favorite. I just spoke to the kids class just now. We have about 10 minutes or less. I wish I have two hours with them. I love children, because children are so innocent. They're so innocent. When we first start the David Center in, in the mid-1990s, uh, the first group of children that come to the David Center was all the offspring of the Khmer Rouge soldier. Their parents killing so many people, blood in their hand. But the kid is so innocent when I met them. I met over. 100 of those kids who live in the jungle, many of them have no clothes on. And they're just innocent as it can be. So, and they live with us the rest of their life until they grow up. Right now, believe it or not, I have so many grandchildren. Because <laughs> my kids from the David Center, the first group, are mostly married now and have a lot of kids. And almost every month I get a call, oh daddy, you got another grandkid. <laughs> Boy or girl, <laughs> so, I, I don't remember how many grandkids I have. There's so many because the, there's so many kids that are raised at the David Center and now they have kids of their own. And then they call, because their parents call me daddy, so therefore their children is my grandkids. So I have a lot of grandkids and I'm so privileged to be called grandfather. And the first, when I first became a grandfather, I was only... 40 years old, I think. I was 39, and I already have three grandkids. <laughs> so it's pretty nice 
to be a 39-year-old man and have three grandkids to begin with. And, uh, but that's how it worked. And now I have so many. Well, um, May 9, this year, 2017, so I just want to make sure you know what year is that. May 9, 2017, Transformation have a privilege to host 11 students from Espen Bible College, from middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know? Pastor Finn and I have a great opportunity to go there all the time, and I call it Snow Desert of Canada. <laughs> For some reason, Pastor Finn only chose to go there in the winter. I never been there in the summer, so I don't know what summer looked like. All I remember, winter, it's a snow desert of Canada. There's no shop, nothing around every time I go but snow. So the student from the 11, this, you know, Eston Bible College send their student over to Cambodia almost every other year. And all of the time, there seem to be like half young men and half young women or why was or, or probably more men signed up to go to Cambodia than women. But this time, the director of the school called me and said, Sitan, we need you to go to Cambodia in May. I said, why? I don't like to be in Cambodia in May. Number one, it's too hot. <laughs> Number two, I have a lot of speaking engagement in May out in North America. So I'm traveling. He said, well, but you need to cancel those. Uh, speaking engagement because this is very critical. I say, what happening? He says, all the students that sign up to go to Cambodia are female students. There's zero men sign up for it. I say, wow, what happening? He say, I have no idea. None of the male students want to go, but all the females sign up. So the 11 female students are going to Cambodia in, in May of 2017. So therefore, I had to cancel a lot of our speaking engagement in order to return. I just got to the United States for two weeks, and then I turned around and went back to Cambodia. It's only the first time in a few years that I've been in Cambodia in May. So I went back, <laughs> and typically, because I'm a host, so therefore, I want to be there ahead of the girl, at least a few days to get myself you know, reacquainted with the time zone in Cambodia and the temperature and the weather and everything. So I did, I've flown in. Actually the ticket is, I can only buy the ticket one day ahead of the girl. So I arrived one day ahead of them at midnight. And then the next midnight I have to be back at the airport again to pick up the girl. <laughs> so, but I got at least a few hours ahead of them. The girl arrived, was all excited, you know, just just like any team, when they first arrive in Cambodia, they get all excited. The first thing that excites them the most is the temperature between Aston and <laughs> Cambodia. As soon as the airplane opened their door, you feel like you walk into the oven. So they thought they're going to be cooking. That's their mission is to go and preach the gospel, not to go and be cooked. But that's how they felt. Several girls told me that. We felt like you're going to cook us because it's so hot. So we have a great time. And then all of a sudden we get them checked into a guest house and there's, here's the air conditioning. The girl just said, yeah, we like this. This is awesome. It was hot, sweat, just between the airport to the hotel was sweat. 
But then it's all exciting. And they say, well, we want to come to see your office. We want to have a little orientation. We want to learn a little bit more before we get going. And they're excited. And we was having a great time. I'm a, a better jet lag by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But then, because the girl is all excited, so therefore I woke up again. You know, I fall asleep, I woke up, I fall asleep, I woke up. <laughs> Try to answer their question, and some of the questions they probably asked about what is happening in the West, I told them what's happening in the, in the South, because I didn't hear it, because I was jet-lagged, too. <laughs> so anyway, it's, but we had a great time. And then we went and visited the Joy Daycares, the routine, you know, the... Uh, the um, um, genocide of museum, the killing field, monument, and all of those kind of things. And we finished all what is happening in the capital city. May 9, we scheduled to go on the road to the Women's Center, on the way to the David Center. And the, the girl was all excited, and of course, they've been in Pramping for several days, so they're accustomed to, for those of you who've been to Cambodia, you know what I'm talking about. They're accustomed to what they call coffee, iced coffee with condensed milk. Yeah. It was awesome. Every team loved it, regardless where they come from, from in the world. Because the country is so hot, so iced coffee with condensed milk tastes so good and cooled you off. So the girl got all excited to say, Brother Seaton, on the way to the Women's Center, can we get iced coffee with condensed milk? Can we get more bread? They're so cheap. And so we do all of those kind of things, routine. But I told the girl, I said, the traffic in the capital city is so crazy, especially early morning. So therefore, tomorrow, I'm sorry, you have to get up early. We have to, get, we have to leave the, the city before the crowd got on the road so that we, we don't trap for two, three hours of traffic. And the girl agreed to that. So we woke up early, we got in the, in the bus, and we left. Of course, we do our routine. We got a donut. We got whatever they need and the condensed milk with iced coffee. Girl enjoy. They all order two, not one. <laughs> they like it. And we just enjoy it. We sing along the road, and we finally get to the Women's Center ahead of time. We get to the guest house before the guest house is all clean. The room has been reserved, but... We got there too early, so the room was not ready. So we went to the women's center, and the girl was all excited, looking forward to meet with the girl who, a resident of the women's center, all of those kind of things. And then we end up eating lunch, cooking with the girl, and enjoy the lunch. That everyone participated in cooking and preparing. And then it was noon time. And then the guest house call us, say, well, the room is ready. So while their, their stomach was full, they enjoyed the food, and the room is ready. That worked out very well. So we brought the girl to the guest house, and when they got in there, all the girls coming out from the alley and just screaming, Sitan, thank you so much. The air conditioning is so great. <laughs> Again, they love air conditioning <laughs> because it's so hot. And they say, okay, our plan was I drop them off, check them in, they can press up and then get back on the bus and go back to the women's center because we only have half of a day at the women's center. And we're going to rise on the boat, see the floating village and all of those kind of things. But the girls say, can, can you give us two hours? We, want, we enjoy the, you know, the uh, air conditioning. <laughs> I said, sure, we'll pick you up at two instead. 
So instead of come back onto the bus, so that I gave them two hours. Okay, why I'm telling you all this? So by, I told the girl, by 2 o'clock, we'll show up, be ready, downstairs, get on the bus, we go to work. The girl said, yes. Well, we'll do that. So 2 o'clock, I'm on my way to pick up the girl. One of the pastors, Cambodian pastor who worked with us, called me on the phone, on the cell phone, said, Pastor, you on the way to the hotel, there's a court in between that road. I didn't even know the court in that city exists. I've been there for forever. Didn't even know they exist and don't even know where they're located. He said, well, but the driver know. I got a call from the court that says somebody was complaining about the university land that we own, and there's somebody claiming they own that university land instead, and they file a complaint to the court. And the court knew that the land belonged to us, but they said that when you in town, if you kindly spend five minutes or less, show up at the court, just give a fingerprint, it's just a, a witness that uh, you guys didn't steal the land. See, the complaint is that we stole the land. The complaint is that I physically beat up the guy who owned the land, who was a member of the parliament and the head of all of the Muslims in Cambodia. I physically beat him up <laughs> and make him sign the land to me. Let me tell you, folks, I never met the guy. Up until this day, I never met the guy. Actually, the date they complained, I was here at C3 Church preaching <laughs> last year. <laughs> it was exactly the day I'm standing here in this podium preaching, but they say that specific day I was there beating up the guy, so be careful. I have a long hand. I can stand here and beat up the guy in Cambodia. <laughs> it's just be careful, okay? That was a complaint, and the guy was hurt so bad, so he signed all the land to me. That's how they complained in the court. So I say, are you sure, Pastor, that they only want me for five minutes? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I used to be a police chief here. That's how it worked. So I believe him. So I told the driver, stop at the court. I'm going to go in and give a fingerprint and pick up the girl. <laughs> Guess what? When I got in, there are three police from behind put me in handcuffs. So he said, you under arrest. So the, so the girl was waiting for me, and, and the driver was waiting for me, and here I'm in prison, <laughs> unexpectedly. I'm on a mission, and my mission is to go toward the David Center. Now I end up being, I have a new mission in prison. So better yet, they handcuffed me and walked me, and a bunch of people saw me on the road. <laughs> I, was, I was under arrest, I, and then the the charge is that I'm a criminal because I'm beating up the member of the parliament. <laughs> so I, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. So I'm, I'm hopeless. So they take away everything I have, no phone, no cell phone, nothing. So they took it in, throw me in jail, and then they literally undressed me, and I was totally naked. <laughs> and they have a guy come and shave all my head. They just shave my head right there out in the open, in prison. And then one police officer, he was like a deputy uh, police chief for in charge of that prison. He came right next to me and he said, watch out, 
you're going to have to do fingerprint or sign any paper you've been asked to do, or somebody's going to beat the hell out of you. That's the term he used. I'm sorry I used this term, but it's exactly the same term he used. He said, somebody's going to beat the hell out of you if you don't do it. So that's, that's how it worked in, in that particular country where they call land grabbing. They do that. They throw you in jail, and they pick the long weekend where there's a lot of holiday, where none of the office, government office is open, so there's nothing you can do until the holiday is over. For that particular time in May, there's nine, uh, seven, eight-day holiday following that Friday afternoon. So they throw me in jail Friday afternoon. There's nothing I can do or anybody out there can do to, to help me and take me out of that prison until eight days later, until the holiday is over. So here I am. Let me admit this, humanly speaking, you know, regardless of how faithful you are to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still human, right? And I've been through prison. This is not my first time. I've been in prison many, many times, not because I steal somebody's moped or anything like that, but because I preach the gospel. So anyway, I was thrown in jail, and this guy was put fear in me, said, you need to sign all those papers. Oh, they beat the hell out of you, or you may not able to get out of this place. You may be being dead before long. <laughs> that was a big threat. So I was a little concerned. Not fearful very much, but more concerned than fearful. That's how my feeling at the time. I just smiled at the guy, and they're still shaving my head. So the guy is not finished, and he's still talking to me. And then... I say, thank you very much for the information. Then the guy say, well, now they finished shaving my head, so I become bald. I'm already bald to begin with. So I become bald. So they throw me in the cell and lock it from behind. The quick look to the right, there are five guys sat there, no shirt on, but all tattooed. One bigger guy, he's the biggest among the five, have bald head and the tattoo all over his head, all the way. And the other four guy was not that big, but they have tattoo on. I believe those are the five guys, the five inmates were so mean and they assigned to do the trigger toward any inmate that they, whatever they want to do with. So I walk in, I take a quick look, I saw those guys. They looked scary. And the moment I look at the guy, the word of God came to me. Let me admit this. In the past, when somebody say, God spoke to me this, God tell me this, God tell me that, I'm irritated. I'm very irritated. I say, how come God loved that person more than me? He never talked to me. He never said anything to me. How come he only favored that person? How come he didn't talk to me? The only time he talked to me when I was forgiving the Kameru woman who killing my entire family, and I met her in the church, and, 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 and I was ready to kill her in the church. And, and, and then God spoke to me only one time, and he didn't say, you're a nice guy, Sitan. He didn't say that. He said, Sitan, you are in trouble. 
That was the word of God spoke to me. You in trouble. And it was so powerful to the point where I surrendered to him and able to forgive the girl. And that was the first time and the last time I ever heard God spoke to me. But it was not a very nice word. But this time, when I look at the five guy with tattoo on and look so mean, the word of God came to me and it was loud and clear, a quoting said, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. I heard it. Believe it or not, I heard it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there are freedom. Folk, believe it or not, I'm already in captivity. They already locked the cell from behind. But yet God reminded me that I have him in me. So therefore, wherever he is, there's freedom. So I said, bingo! So I start reaching out my right hand to the biggest guy among the five, tried to shake his hand, and he was trembling. He was reaching out his hand toward me, and he wept. I do the same to the two on the right and the other two on the left, and all five wept. And then I start asking questions. I say, guy, why are you weeping? They say, because I feel sorry for you. I said, wait a minute. I only walked in five seconds ago. And, and, and may I know how long have you been there? So the guy on the far right, little guy, but he looked mean. He said, 27 years I've been here, and I'm in charge of this cell. And the next guy, I say, how long have you been here? 17 years. The big guy said, two and a half years. And the guy on the left, 10 years. 13 years. I said, folk, I only been here five seconds ago. I should be feel sorry for you guys. You've been here the longest. And the guy just starts saying all over again, they, all five of them wept. Say, we just, you, you have, you not deserve to be here with us. You not deserve to be here with us. As a matter of fact, now you have hair all over your body. You need to wash yourself. We want you to be clean, and you are naked. We want you to wear something. And guess what? And then I take a quick look to the left. There was like a bunch of animals there. It was 148 inmates on the left, have only pants on but no shirt on. They were sleeping on top of each other. This is 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, May 9th. And I say, oh, Lord, what's happening here? And there's one toilet, 149 inmates, including me, one toilet, one bed area. And this five guy got off from their shelter, coming down and clear the road. There's people all over. There's no place to walk. They clear the road for me to go to the bathroom so I can wash myself. And there are eight guys doing their business in that bathroom. So this five guy become my bodyguard. They clear the eight guy out and say, my brother need to clean himself. And they even hand me soap and shampoo. Imagine that. And I wash myself. They escort me back and they loan me one of their pants so I get to where I'm no longer naked and come back. They say, you can stay here on our little portion of the area, which only allow five of us to stay here. The rest have to stay on the floor. It's a very filthy floor. 
They said, we can only allow you to stay here from now until 9 o'clock tonight. After that, we have no authority to keep you here. You have to go and join the crowd down there. I said, that's fine. Very generous of you. So they took care of me uh, from, from 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Took good care of me. And between that time, I already led one guy to the Lord, the big guy, the biggest of the biggest out of the five. He's now my brother in the Lord. And he, I learned more about him. He was orphaned. And the reason they have tattoo on, not because he's a mean guy, because he's scared of people being an orphan. So he just put a lot of tattoo on just to protect himself. And he never been beat up anybody in prison. The other four guys, the little guy beat them up. But this big guy just to scare people off because of his look. And he become my brother, and we communicated all the time now. And those five guys, for the next nine days I was in prison, they're my bodyguard. They took good care of me. And so 9 o'clock come, folks. It's time for me to go in, down to the floor. So those guys wept again. They feel so sorry that they can't help me. So I have to go down. So I went down. I said, don't worry. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. If those guys survive, I'm going to survive. Guess what? While I was talking, I looked back to the crowd down there on the floor. There's a guy take off their pen. Like 10 or 15 guys start taking their pen off and pile it up on the floor and make a mattress for me. And I said, what happened? They said, that's, that's where you're going to sleep. I said, no, 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 please put your pen back on. They didn't do that. They, they pile it up. And, and then I went down there and I refused to do it. I said, no, I, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to sleep like that. Please. You know, you can only sleep on a sideway. It's so crowded. There's not enough room to sleep on your back. So, and you breathe to each other's nose. So, and it's, it's how close. That's how we've been. I've been there conditionally. It's very difficult for nine days. But yet, the most highlight, spiritual highlight of my entire life, I experienced something I never experienced before. So what happened when I reached there, and they forced me to sleep on the pile of their clothes. And before I even sat down completely, one guy in front of me asked me, says, may I ask you a question? And this is the term they use, please don't lie. Tell me the truth. They use the term lie. I say, okay, what is your question? He said, tell me the truth. Are you human or are you angel? I said, why you ask that question? And then there are two more guys behind me. I turn around. They ask the same question. Say, please don't lie to us. Tell the truth. Are you angel or are you human? There are three guys ask the same question. And then I start asking them back. I say, before I answer, I want to know why you ask that question. They say, because as soon as the authority throw you in prison cell, we only recognize your face. The rest of your body was a glare of glory coming out of you. You are not human. You are angel. I said, you saw that? They said, yes. I said, folk, let me tell you what you saw. Yes, you saw the angel. So I start standing and all the 148 
inmates to start listening. This is 9 o'clock, May 9, 2017. I stood up. I already sat down on a pile of clothes, and then I stood back up. I said, folk, let me tell you what you saw. Yes, you saw the angel. Then one guy said, how many angels? I said, there's a multitude of angels. I have no number to tell you. I don't know what, how many. What you saw was literally angels. You know why? Because I believe in a God named Jesus. And the Bible tell me, which is a word of God, was telling me that when I believe in Jesus as a son of the living God, die on the cross of Calvary for my sin, I automatically become the children of God. So I'm no longer the children of this world. I become the children of God. So I have a new title. I become a royalty now. Uh, before I become royalty, I don't have anyone to protect me. Now that I become a royalty, I have tons of people to protect me. And those people who are assigned to protect me call angels. So those angels was the one who are assigned by God Almighty named Jesus. And he made them to kill me. There are a bunch of people, I don't know how many, among those inmates say, no, wait a minute, you are wrong. I say, well, why you say that? They say, we've been taught in our Buddhist temple that we, the angel come to be served every year in April when we celebrate the new year, their new angel come to reign for the next 365 days. And they require so much from us. Uh, many of them eat jerky stuff. They eat intestine. They eat blood. They eat those kind of things. We have to serve them and welcoming them to this new year. And you telling us that angel come to serve you, that's wrong. I say, well, let me tell you, folk, there are two different types of angels. And, you know, I don't have to go on on that. You know what I'm talking about. I say the angel who is faithful and servant of the Lord, who are assigned to serve his people. But there's a group of calling for angels. Those are the angels who come every year and require you to serve them. I say it's a different type of angel. Angel, when God created angel, he created he meant for them to serve his people, not for his people to serve the angel. Guess what? I got a big audience. A lot of them gave their life to cry. I say, how many of you want, want the angel to be your servant? Well, yeah, me, 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 all over prison cell. May 9, 2017, a bunch of them came to the Lord. And then they moved me from one cell to the next to tell the same thing. <laughs> and I was moving around. There's over 700 inmates. It's overflown. The, the whole capacity for that prison is only 170. And you have over 700 inmates. So it's overcrowded. And I was able to go around and preach the gospel in the next nine days. I led so many to the Lord. Outnumber, I don't remember. And my nickname was Angel. So no longer anybody know I, my, my real name is Seton. So my, my, my nickname all over that prison was Angel. 
and the word of God keep coming to me every day. One day, you know, they, they allow the entire prison, half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the afternoon break, where they can come out of the cell to get a fresh air. You're still in prison with a lot of barricade, but you get outside of the building, so you get fresh air. So that's when all the inmates coming out to their, from their cell, breathing fresh air for half an hour. Every time I come out, the multitude of inmates will stand. You know, we still can't go from one cell to the next. There's a barricade between us, but we still can see each other. So every barricade, they full of people want to hear, okay, angel, tell us more about your God. So <laughs> I've been telling them for the next nine days with the nickname Angel. I give God all the glory. I don't want to take any glory. <laughs> I have to remember doing that. So, but for time's sake, so I have to go fast, fast forward. So anyway, one morning when I come out during those half an hour, one young man, as soon as I come out of my prison cell, he said, uncle, he called me uncle, uncle, can you speak on my behalf? Can you speak on our behalf? I say, why don't you speak it for yourself? He say, I can speak as loud as it can be. Don't you know I'm an inmate? Nobody's going to hear me. My word is useless. I say, so what do you think of me? I'm, I'm also an inmate. He say, no, you are different. And then two other young men from another cell screaming out loud said, no, you're not going to be here very long. You're going to be out. Speak on our behalf. I say, that sounds familiar. Lord, where is it in the Bible? I have no idea where it's in the Bible. Sound familiar? And the word of God out loud spoke to me. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And I say, thank you, Lord. And I scream that. I say, oh, that's in the Bible. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to speak on your behalf when the Lord released me from here. I'm going to do it. There's a lot more I can tell you. But hear what's happening. I'm not a songwriter. I'm not a composer. I'm not a singer. I don't know anything about music. When I walked in this morning for a prayer time, one of our sisters was saying, you know, C flat or whatever she said. Whatever. I, I, I told Brother Jay, I said, that's not my language. <laughs> that's a language I'm not spoken. He says, so do I. I don't know anything about C flat, F flat, or whatever. I say, that's a language I'm not spoken. That's a musical language. I don't know any of those, but God woke me up in the middle of the night, one o'clock, say, you write it down, make a song from Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. I become a songwriter, a composer, and I wrote that song, and now if you can play that song, and I sing that song, and I'm still doing that all over the world. Not the best in the world, but this is what God is giving me. Will you please play? Thank you, Dr. Satan. My name is Pastor Tim Sawatsky. I just want to wrap it up here this morning, but thank you so much for just that word. If, um, if that resonates with you, what he said here today, we've got a great uh, prayer team, and I just want to invite you forward uh, 
uh, prayer team, if you just want to come up right now. If, if that struck a chord in you and you want to ask Jesus to be your Savior, you want to give him your life, or maybe you walked away from him and you want to come back to him, we would love to pray for you right now. And if you have any other prayer needs, we would love to pray with you about those as well because we believe that Jesus is alive. I think that was pretty obvious in what you said here today. Thank you so much for that. And we're taking a missions team from the church here next year, early next year. And uh, we're going to have a meeting about that after second service in the cafe. If you're interested, if you want to hear more about it, Pastor Satan is going to be there as well, sharing a little bit about what it's going to look like, as well as people that were on the, the last couple of teams. So we're just going to wrap this up right now. Thank you so much again for being here and for telling us what God is doing in Cambodia and what he's doing through you. So everyone's here dismissed. If you want prayer, please come forward. But have an awesome Sunday. Have an awesome week. Bless you. Go with God. Through those doors, go people that know that God is real.